Conversations with Daniel Noor, tackling the tough questions on cradio.org.au. Hello, Cradio listeners. My name is Daniel Noor, and when I entered the Catholic Church on September the 21st, 2013, I brought all my confusion, anxiety, and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, in every episode in this series, I'll be interviewing an expert on a hot topic and trying to get straight answers on the moral, political and social issues of our time. I invite you to join me and to have your questions about today's tough topics answered as well. In the aftermath of President Donald Trump's ruling on Israel, this podcast, like some of those we've released in the past, will explore yet again a region reeling from the fallout of reckless political decisions and seemingly endless factionalism. The Holy Land's most senior bishop has spoken out against US President Trump's decision to move the embassy to Jerusalem, according to advocacy group Aid to the Church in Need, who we'll speak to, along with another organisation, Chrétien d'Orient, Christians of the East, today. Archbishop Isabella, apostolic administrator of the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem, warned the move could increase tensions in the region and has said, any unilateral decision will create more frustration and anger, and I'm afraid will bring more violence. I don't think it is wise to do it in this way. The Archbishop, who was also a signatory to a letter to Mr Trump from patriarchs and heads of churches in Jerusalem, cautioned against relocating the embassy to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a holy city for all. It is the heart of the life of the faith. If you don't understand that in the Middle East, the religious element is part of their identity, you don't understand the Middle East, the patriarch said. So it's with this situation in mind that we begin this episode of conversations about the persecuted church. Also, an apology preemptively for the sound of this recording. It was, um, it was recorded during the Australian Catholic Youth Festival, an enormous gathering of youth all over the country. And as such, you may hear some background noise. Right now I'm here with Benjamin Blanchard of the Christians of the East. Um, Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your invitation. Um, Benjamin, how is it that you say the name of your organization in your native French? It is SOS Chrétien d'Orient, which means SOS Christians of the East. Wonderful. And if you could tell us a little bit more about your mandate and what exactly it is that you do. So, we, we are a Christian organization, a young Christian organization. I have created it in 2013. Uh, when I saw what had happened in Syria, and especially in a little Christian village, which is Maloula, uh, when Al-Qaeda took this village and uh, forced all the people to escape, uh, to flee the, the village. Now we are working in Syria, in Iraq, Lebanon, Jordan and Egypt, and we are helping people uh, through different ways, uh, with uh, food packs, emergency help, but with uh, building some schools, uh, organizing some summer camps, teaching English, teaching French. Uh, we are working in uh, medical stuff, uh, carrying some uh, medical supplies. And the most important, we are helping people to rebuild their house, to rebuild their church, to rebuild their school. Why? Because if they cannot rebuild their house, they won't come back at home. And the most important for them is coming back in their home after three years in refugee camps. So Benjamin, it's Syria, 
Iraq, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, Jordan, and Egypt. And Egypt. For sure, the, the job in Lebanon and Syria, and in Jordan is a bit different because there is there are some peaceful countries. Right. But the most part of our job is in Syria and Iraq. Can we talk for a moment, Benjamin, even in the great noise that we find ourselves in here at the Exhibition Centre at the Australian Catholic Youth Festival, just for a moment about the extent to which ISIS has undone or, if you like, perverted some of the, um, the civilizations of the region. So what is the extent of the impact, for example, in Iraq? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, uh, the worst years uh, with ISIS were 2014, 2015, 2016. Since 2016, the so second half of 2016, ISIS uh, is collapsing. Why? Because first of the local armies, so the Iraqi army in Iraq and the Syrian army in uh, Syria, and uh, with the support of international coalitions. In Iraq, it's uh, the American coalition with the support uh, of the Australian Air, Air Force uh, with, among our other. military. That's yes. right. And uh, in Syria, it's with the Russian coalition, so the support of Russia and uh, Iranian. And how about Syria? I mean, just if you could give us not just that military kind of response, but what it means for societies on the ground, having lived and worked there for some time now, I mean, going back and forth. Can you give us an impression? Can you paint us a picture? It depends on the people of where they live, because a lot of people had to leave their house, had to leave their home, to leave their village, to leave their city. And when they are IDPs, which means internal displaced people, so refugees in their own country, they have anything. They live. They used to live in refugee camp. They, they have no jobs. They have no money. And now, because of the collapse of ISIS, and uh, a lot of villages and cities are have been liberated. And now they want to come back home, but they have no money to rebuild their house. And that's our job to help them to rebuild their house. And it's our duty as uh, Western people to help them because. The situation is really very bad. They used to live for three years without nothing. Now it's enough. Do you feel, Benjamin, that forcing the Christians of the region, forcing them back to countries that have, in many ways, traumatized them and to circumstances that have been profoundly difficult, is not in their best interests? Why do you insist that the Christians of Syria, Iraq, and the other countries invaded by ISIS must now return to, to places of such no, torture? No. I, I don't say at all that they must to come back, but some of them don't want to leave their country. And uh, it's our duty to help them to come back in their house for sure. Those who, are, who, are, who left the countries who used to live in Europe or Australia or Canada now, they want to come back, I'm sure, because they are traumatized. But some of them don't want to leave their country and they are refugees in their own country. Now, uh, they cannot stay like this. They can't stay like this. Um, Benjamin, do you feel that maybe the real severity and the timeliness of the, the, the ISIS kind of fallout has been lost in the West? Maybe it's no longer on our news screens, it's no longer on our... But what, how does that make you feel? Yes, it's true. Uh, in 2015, uh, all the mass media spoke about ISIS in Iraq. 
In 2016, it was more about Syria, but now nobody speaks about what it happened in this country. And even if ISIS is now collapsing, the war is not finished, and the problems are still there. The problem with very radical Muslims, which are supported with, uh, by such countries, which are supporting the terrorism, it's uh, a big issue. Because it's so complicated, have you found that Christians of the East have been involved in diplomacy and political lobbying? Uh, it depends. Uh, for sure, in Iraq, it was a big, uh, a big t- issue. But why have you, have we, we as Western country, have we, have we waited for three years before uh, pushing uh, against ISIS? Mm. Why was it so long? Against Saddam army, it was only two weeks. Right, but here, three years. So, Benjamin, now that we have a kind of overall perspective of what's going on in the region and just how complicated it is to restore churches, hospitals and schools... On houses. And houses, needless to say. Um, can you tell us what it is that we can do, not just Catholics here in Australia, but also any people concerned about the plight of minorities affected by this you know, militant, aggressive terrorist Islam that we've seen? So what can we do? So, first, I think that we all... Uh, have to pray for Christians, for Eastern Christians, uh, and for the peace in the in Middle East, and especially in Iraq and Syria. Because all the people I have met told me that they need our prayers. So we have to do to do this. Uh, after we we need volunteers. In since 2013, we have sent more than 1,000 volunteers from all the Western countries. So mostly France but uh, the US, Canada, uh, all Europe and Australia now and uh, all those 1,000 volunteers had really enjoyed their time there because it's not only to bring some help to work with people but it's to share their daily life to to know about to learn about their history to make new friends and to pray with them and it's very really important to go there to meet them and to learn what to listen what they have to Tell us, and uh, the same end, we have to. We are looking for money to to help us to rebuild uh, those city, and especially in Iraq, the Nineveh Plain, Karakosh, which is uh, which was the biggest Christian city in Iraq with sixty thousand inhabitants, and all of them fled their city in 2014 when ISIS came. And ISIS has destroyed their city. Now some of them want to come back because. Till now, they are living in northern Iraq in refugee camp, and they would like to come back at home, but they cannot because everything is destroyed. Our, our job is to help them to rebuild, but for this, we need money to pay for everything for the rebuilding. Where can we donate? So it's very easy. It's on the website of SOS Chrétien d'Orient. So it's uh, www.soschrétiendorient.fr and there is a PayPal uh, page and you can uh, make a donation on, on PayPal. Or there is an Australian account, bank account. Uh, you have all the information on the website. Benjamin, thank you so much. And just in the interest of clarity and because there's a little bit of noise around, I'll say it again. It's www.sos. C-H-R-E-T-I-E-N-S D-apostrophe-O-R-I-E-N-T dot F-A Thank you But so without much. the apostrophe Oh no, drop it and then go ahead, go ahead. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time
I'm here at the Australian Catholic Youth Festival for a very special episode of Conversations with Daniel Noor. Today we're discussing the topic of the persecuted church, something that has become increasingly apparent to Christians in the West, although its severity and its timeliness seems to have been lost on us, perhaps. I'm sitting with Natasha Marsh, who is a volunteer and a representative of Aid to the Church in Need Australia. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Natasha, I guess for our listeners, this um, this idea of, I suppose, the persecuted church of the Middle East in particular is something that the, I don't know, maybe the timeliness or the relevance of may have been lost slightly. So why does it matter, perhaps, that people should be aware of what's going on in places like Syria and Iraq? Could you tell, could you speak to that a little? Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the problems that charities in general face is that as soon as, um, you know, the crisis goes out of the media spotlight, people tend to stop thinking about it, you know, and, and people move on to the, the next issue. Um, but the Christians in the Middle East are just as in greater need of financial and spiritual and volunteer support as they ever were, and possibly even more so. So last year in Iran, for instance, um, Mosul and a few other key cities around Damascus was, oh, sorry, in Syria were reclaimed. Um, so the Christians are moving back into their communities, but the communities have been completely decimated. They don't have infrastructure, they don't have basic supplies, their hospitals and their schools have been bombed, their churches are empty. Um, so they need money to kind of refill those places and to feel free to move back in. They also need people on the ground helping them. If we don't help them do this, then these uh, towns are still sitting ducks for ISIS and other terror groups to, to reband and, and take them again. Mm. Natasha, could you speak a little bit to the recovery efforts maybe that are underway in the region since the the retreat of ISIS from certain cities? What what does it look like now? Great. Well, so at the moment in uh, in in Mosul and places around that area, you've got uh, all different charities. Age of the Church in Need is probably one of the biggest because it's the most well established. It's got connections all over the world, and it's been divvied up with these different charities who are coming in and pouring in money and volunteers and help to help rebuild. So we've got churches being rebuilt. We've got schools. Uh, we've got volunteers coming in and. And just doing simple things, you know, bringing back hope and life and joy. One of the greatest uh, things that I hear from the volunteers is how much, how much hope and happiness it brings to the people living in the area that people around the world care about them. It's a phrase that comes up over and over again, you know, we thought you didn't care about us, you know, we thought that you forgot about us. So having people from all over the English-speaking world coming and supporting them you know, that does a lot in itself. Yeah. Natasha, has the world forgotten about persecuted Christians, this idea of the persecuted church? I'd say I'd say it's not a, a popular idea, if that makes sense. A so, fashionable idea, A fashionable perhaps. idea, yeah. Charity does seem to go in fashions and... Um, for, for whatever reason, I'm sure there's a you know political and social reasons behind it. Uh, the idea of persecuted Christians is not reported on by mainstream media. Uh, you know we have uh, they tend to put, uh, report on persecuted minorities, but the if you look at the cold hard statistics, Christians around the world are the most persecuted group of any other group, and that is a group specifically targeted because of their Christian religion. 
And this is well beyond the Middle East. Um, you know, this goes into the underground church in China because it's not legal to, you know, have a, a religion other than the official religion of communism. This goes to, you know, churches in the Ukraine who are just poor and can't afford basic school supplies. Um, this is the Congo, the Middle East. This is in Africa where you've got uh, Boko Haram, which is another uh, very seldom reported on group of, um, you know, ISIS-like militant, yeah. militant uh, Islamists, uh, you know, going in and kidnapping girls and, you know, things like that. And then you've got political struggles like such in Egypt where, um, you know, Christianity is, you know, kind of uh, politically persecuted, even though it's not in overt situations, but you're, an in, entire justice system is against Christians and you know, people are, you know, are beaten and things are taken away from them and, and there's no justice for them because the system is, is against them. So, yeah, there is absolutely no doubt that Christians are being persecuted across the globe. Uh, in the Middle East, we tend to know about it because, again, there is that media spotlight, but um, it's a huge problem mm. and we do need to take it seriously. Well, what kind of work do you do and what, what can we do to help? I mean, is there... Uh a promotional aspect had people known about some of these situations would it be likely that maybe the plight of those communities would have been easier oh i think there's an enormous amount of work that we can do um aid to the church in need is an international charity uh it's got its headquarters in germany and they have basically connections in every country of the world that alert them to uh you know things that need um things that need money I suppose mm. uh, so what we can do is build awareness of the existence of, of charities like Edge of the Church in Need um, prayer is always fantastic you know true prayer sitting and and thinking about those people and also what what they can do with our own faith you know if we have a strong faith ourselves we are more likely to help our persecuted brothers and sisters overseas so I'd say that's primary importance secondary importance is of course financial aid so whatever you can give please give because mm. that you know you can't really do much without that and then the third thing is um is is actual physical volunteering if you can do it um there's another charity that's begun by a young frenchman called uh chrétien de Orient that sends uh, christians of the orient christians of the orient yes um that sends volunteers, and I just learned today that Age of the Church in Need actually is beginning to send uh, volunteers as well. So, yeah. Mm. Natasha, before we wrap up, and perhaps you can give us a website that we can we can go to, uh, or you know, through the power of Google, perhaps yes. look it up, um, which is always a great option. <laughs> I just wanted to get a sense from you. One challenge I think uh, for me as a Christian in a very liberal and multicultural society, the idea that perhaps. I don't know, concentrating on the plight of my religious group might be to the exclusion of others. So is it a difficulty or in any way a problem that aid to the church you need only addresses the needs of Christians? I think uh, every charity needs a target audience. Um, if you don't have a target group, and then then what are you? So I think aid to the church you need has a place within a whole spectrum of different organisations. This is a real issue and we need to help these Christians. And if that means that other groups are excluded within that charity, um, 
that that's not the intention of Age of the Church in Need. It's just they see an issue and they really need to uh, to kind of sort that out. Wonderful, Natasha. So look it up, Aid to the Church, Aid in, to Need. The church in Need. And yes. you can also find the information in the, um, the link and the bio of this podcast. Thank you so much, Natasha. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Daniel Null. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to Conversations by searching iTunes for Cradio or Conversations with Daniel Noor. Also, do us a favour and give us a five-star rating. The way the iTunes algorithm works is that any episodes you rate highly are more likely to be seen, and that helps us to get the good word out there. Finally, subscribe to the Cradio newsletter by clicking subscribe on cradio.org.au. Bye.